our focal point each year coming into the, the new year is that there's a 40-day emphasis, um, roughly a tithe of the years, the way that we look at it, 36.5 days, so we'll call it a tithe and an offering. Um, but that first 10% of the year, we really just devote to pressing in and engaging to set the tone and the pattern for, for discovering and exploring more of what God has in store. Our 2018 revelation we've been talking a little bit about is that we are created to flourish. Would you mind saying that word flourish? Flourish. flourish. It's an interesting word, and uh, I thought it was interesting as we started talking about that as a team, our staff, our elders. Um, there was a little bit of conversation originally when we started talking about that particular word. That's not a common word in the church that we've heard a lot. And so there was questions. Should we use the word flourish? Should we maybe move it to fruitful or something else? But we really felt like the Lord was just wanting to bring, maybe move us beyond a semantic barrier with common language and use the idea flourish. And God really wants flourish, uh, the world to flourish as a result of His love. So interestingly, when God starts to reveal something, it shows up in a lot of ways. And uh, if you go into Starbucks right now, you'll see someone brought this yesterday, but on their cups, they have the word flourish coming into 2018. I thought that was interesting. One of the churches we work with in Wisconsin, I was speaking to yesterday, and um, the pastor said that they're focusing in, and he began to describe their focus, and I thought, and I said, wow, that sounds a lot like our emphasis, flourishing. And he said, are you kidding? My uh, father-in-law wanted to use the word flourishing, but we thought it wasn't really in the framework of the church enough, but that's exactly what we're trying to describe. How many of you know God's trying to have a conversation? How many of you believe God wants your life to flourish? So I want to encourage you, let's begin to set our faith on that for 2018 in your own personal life. Take some time to pray and ask God just for some wisdom and revelation of what He wants to bring a focus to. And as you're seeking God in the course of 2018, when you're not sure how to focus and pray, you come back to what you know God's stirring in your heart for the year. It's a great way just to kind of stay central. Um, I do, now that I'm back, man, I've had a great trip. I'm going to talk a little bit about that when I speak, but I always carry something out from this house that is so valuable, and I always bring something back, and I want to press into that today. Go ahead, if you would, uh, take, pass down those notebooks if you've not already. I want to give you a quick update. Uh, take out the note cards in there for those of you who might be first-time guests with us. The notes will be there that I'm going to be speaking from. But I want to give you a quick update before I get started. Um, on where we are in terms of finance and our building behind the wall over here that we're working on. Uh, we, we came to a point of halting the contracts until we could raise a little more money, and when we had enough money for the next contract, then we move forward. We are making progress, and I'm so grateful. Thank you for your willingness to give. Uh, we have a $45,000 contract to sign for the electrical rough-in in the nursery uh, Destiny Kids area on the other side of the wall. We understand that's our greatest need as a church family, and believe me, that is our absolute priority right now uh, financially. So this week, uh, I want you to celebrate with me. We are within about $5,000 of that $45,000 contract being completely funded. So praise God, that is wonderful. We have made a lot of progress, so how many of you would agree I should just go ahead and pull the trigger and sign the contract and trust God for that remaining 5000 Can I just see your hand if you believe that? That's 1000 2000 3000 Thank you very much. I'm glad we're all in this together. Uh, so that's what we did. I actually said Friday we're going for it, and uh, we're launching forward in that. So I'm just trusting God. How many of you know this is a, this is a faith journey? 
So I want to encourage you, let's just be faithful in our giving, our tithes, our offerings, and God is always faithful. We're not going to receive offerings by buckets. We have giving stations, and we want you to bring that as an expression of your worship. And I I do want to share, I don't want to steal the thunder, but I do want to just uh, share something. I I got a call yesterday from Sean Anderman. Many of you know him, a a police officer in Midwest City, um, a tactical officer, actually. But he has started a side job, and it was really interesting to me, and I think it's relevant particularly to flourishing. How many of you want to flourish? You know, there, we have a role to play in what God's asking us to do. You have not because you ask not. Obviously, we are a part of what God wants to do. And so uh, he, he called me and he said that he'd been convicted recently, and he told me this about a month ago. He was trying to start a, a side business, and in that process of trying to start the business, it wasn't really taken off quickly. And, and, um, and he just he told me yesterday, I was in a church at a point in time where I questioned how they were handling the finance, and he said, at that point, I decided I was going to reorganize my giving and and take control of my own tithe. And he said, once I came to destiny, the Lord began to convict me of that, and I realized I can't do God's things my way. And there's a storehouse, the place where we are spiritually fed. And he's brought that back into that mix just about a month ago. He began to share this with me. And now that I got back from my trip and he said, uh, it's amazing, but all hell seemed to break loose when I first started in this business. And once I got that in order, all heaven started breaking loose. I started getting crazy deals. Major contracts have started to come. I just believe God wants us to flourish this next year, and he wants to be our business partner. He's got a plan, and we need to be a part of that plan. So come on, let's just thank him for what he's got in store for these days ahead. In Jesus' mighty name. Great days before us, and we are going to really move forward in an influential way to see God's kingdom expand in the earth. You are called to be contagious. That's what I want to talk to you about. We could, we're not just getting to the first 40 days. We want to end well. The final 40 days, here we are, and we want to wind this year down with strong conclusion that love is our source. That's been our focus for 2017. Love is our source. When other people are kind to us, we give them kindness. When they're unkind to us, we give them what God gave us instead. You can choose to be kind. Uh, and that's been a real strong focus for us all year long. And the fact is, when you get in a situation and you start to express kindness, how many of you know other people are challenged and inspired by that? It begins to be contagious in the room, in the work environment, or whatever that context uh, may be. You really do have the capacity and you have the ability. And come on, you have the giftedness and anointing by God to change the world around you if you'll let God do something within you. But we have to let Him in. So today, I want us to see this with such clarity. We're not only called to be contagious, but we're actually designed to be contagious. And I'm going to show you, just uh, make mention of some research. You can see the blog for some more details on this, but some scientific research about just how contagious we all are. And it's interesting to me how God designed us that way. So how many of you would agree with me? Attitudes are contagious. Would you agree with that? Like making good decisions is not easy, or we would just all make good decisions. So, so let me give you a key. This is not on your sheet, but you might want to write it down because it's a great statement. I've been really wrestling this for about 30 days just personally through some classes I was doing uh, and so on. But good decisions are hard to make. If you want to make great decisions, then you should learn to surround yourself with people who embody the characteristics of the decisions you hope to make. It's not easy to make great decisions all the time. 
And if you really want to be a great decision maker, moving in the right direction in your life, surround yourself with people who embody the characteristics of the decisions you hope to make. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just penetrate our hearts today, that we'd do more than come together and listen to a nice little motivational speech. But penetrate deep within us, awaken that which has been planted in the soil of our spirit since before we were formed in the womb when you knew us. You purpose, Lord, that there would be things within us that would be awakened on this day as we draw near the conclusion of 2017 and begin to step into a place where you're expanding your kingdom in the earth, and we are part of that. In Jesus' name, amen. Attitudes are contagious. Have, have any of you ever experienced where maybe in your life you got around somebody who had a bad attitude and then you found yourself having a bad attitude or you saw that with somebody that you love? Maybe uh, your children would be a really good analogy of that. You can really tell when, when your kids get around somebody who kind of has a toxic attitude and then you can tell when your kids get around somebody and they have a really upbeat positive attitude. It starts to show up. It really does. And in our own lives, it does more than we realize. Scripture is really interesting on this issue. And there were a lot of angles I could go, as I felt this was where the Lord was taking us. Uh, but I want to I just point out God's guidelines as he was preparing Israel for war. And his guidelines simply show attitudes are contagious. And we're going to go to Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 8, where God began to address through the officers of the war uh, of the army that there needed to be a removal of toxic attitudes among the ranks or there would be a contagious expression that would start to happen spreading like emotional cancer, spiritual cancer. Deuteronomy 20 verse 8, the, office, the officers were commanded to say, who is afraid and faint-hearted? Speaking to all the warriors of Israel, who is afraid and faint-hearted? Let him depart and return to his house so that he might not make his brother's hearts melt like his heart is melting. In other words, let's remove this contagious attitude that could cause the people to become less than what God has called them to become. How many of you want to become everything God's called you to become? you got to understand, you were created in the image of Trinity God. Trinity God is community God. That means you're created in the image of community God. You're created in the image of community God for community. Outside of community, you'll never be everything God's called you to be. But when you surround yourself with people who embody the characteristics of the kingdom of God and the power of God Almighty, something within you starts to be awakened that you begin to make decisions that are decisions of the Spirit. Come on, help me now. Decisions of the Spirit that will take you deeper into the purposes of God. Let's believe God today for that to stir in this place, in our hearts. There's an alignment that begins to happen when we celebrate His Word. There's an alignment that begins to happen when we say yes and amen. And I, I guarantee you, attitudes are so contagious. If you follow uh, my pastor dude social media stuff, then you would have seen three weeks or so ago, we had a snake in our house. Um, we don't like live out in the country, but we do have a little bit of property around our house. And, and literally a snake came in our house and uh, Tracy and I are laying in bed asleep and Lexi, our youngest daughter, who's 16, comes running in and she says, mom, like we're almost, you know, completely asleep. And, and Tracy's, uh, and she says, dad, she, she goes to the other parent because the first parent's not as excited enough. And I said, uh, and so then she, she helped us break out of the stupor of slumber as she said, there's a snake in my room. 
to which I jumped up out of bed, running into the, the bedroom, and I hear Tracy, did he bite you? And so now she's very awake. So we go in there, and there's a, I, I'm not kidding, I know these stories like I caught a fish this long, you know, and it was really that. I, I'm not going to make it up. I'm going to tell you, this snake was longer than three feet long, no question about it. So I'm going to call it a three foot long snake. And I go in there, and this snake is behind the dresser, right beside her bed, coiled up. And I'm looking down there. She heard it crawling around in paper. And when she turned on the lights, and there it is, like right at, under her bed. And so I'm looking at this thing thinking, how do you get a snake out, a coiled up snake from behind the dresser? You don't just reach down and say, come on out, little buddy. You know, I mean, I'm looking at this thing, and I'm freaked out. There's a snake in my daughter's bedroom, and, you know, I'm, a, I'm already wound up pretty tightly. I'm looking at this, and Lexi, and I'm thinking, what am I going to get? I'm thinking coat hanger, you know. And, and Lexi, she gets this idea. She gives me this little toy robot pincher. Have you seen those? Like, that's really going to help. I got a king cobra, four feet long, five feet long. So I get this, this pincher, and I reach down to get this six-foot-long snake. As it's going down, I'm watching this seven-foot-long snake all coiled up, realizing this eight-foot-long snake. I pull this 10-foot-long snake up with these pinchers, and when I pulled the snake up in the room, the girls started screaming, ah! The dog started barking, Aah! I mean, the atmosphere exploded, and I, every, you know, everything in me is like, you're in the fight of your life. This is a 20-foot-long snake. <laughs> it was such a contagious atmosphere, and I mean, my heart was pounding every ninja you know, thing in me on a cellular level. I, I was oh, something. It's crazy. Attitudes are contagious. You get around somebody that gets all stirred up about everything, you'll get all stirred up about everything. You get around somebody who's willing to walk in wisdom and not let everything just tip them emotionally, you'll start to walk in a little more wisdom. I just want to give you a little bit of advice today. God designed you to have emotions. Emotions are good. Emotions are not bad. But emotions, are emotions by design, listen, listen, emotions by design are followers. Emotions by design are followers. We endanger our souls when we allow them to lead. Don't let your emotions take control of your life. Don't let your emotions take control of your disposition and your attitude. You will not walk in an attitude of faith if you allow emotion to take control of your life. You will not walk in an attitude that says, I will move that mountain. You will break down and cry every time you see a mountain. You'll not walk in an attitude that says, I'll kill every giant that ever steps toward my kids. You will fall down and cry every time a giant comes your way. I say that today, you and I are rising up as mighty warriors in the kingdom of God to steamroll these giants, to break through in places that God's called us to break through. Neuroscience reveals this. This research in, in, the, in the whole realm of neuroscience is so interesting. I, I started reading about this, and I thought, man, this is crazy. We need to understand it in the faith community, some of these things by design. So we're created to be contagious uh, by God. We're, we're not just called by, by God to be contagious. We're created by God to be contagious. And neuroscience reveals, think about this, just being in the same proximity of another human being when they did an evaluation on brain waves, not having conversation, just brain waves, two people in the same proximity, their brain waves almost instantly align and look almost identical. 
Do you hear what I'm saying? It's, it's really bizarre to think about this, but just being around somebody, not even hearing what's in their heart, their brain waves begin to impact our, it's almost like there's two Wi-Fi signals that start to cooperate and collaborate, and they start to look exactly the same. Just look at your neighbor and say, stop messing with my brain waves. You have to understand that who you hang around with matters. Who you hang around with matters. And point number three, who you hang around with matters. Three really important things to remember about attitude. You know, there's three, three rules in real estate, right? Location, location, location. I guarantee three rules in attitude, uh, and that is friendship, friendship, friendship. Who you hang around with absolutely matters. There's something about our being awakened to the greater purposes of God. When we get together in this atmosphere and we're loving God and we're loving each other, isn't it great for us to gather together as friends? Isn't it awesome for us just to come together as friends? Isn't it even greater for us to come together as family because he's our father, has commanded us not to forsake the gathering together, but we assemble together as the church. Now the body of Christ comes together, not mere friends, but glued at the soul, connected deeper in our human side than we can even understand and comprehend in the natural because we are family. It's like that old hymn, we are family. You understand? God's called us to connect. I got all my sisters and me. You remember that old hymn? And so we gather together, and it's more than just friends. Now it's family. Now it's not just family, but now we're aligning ourselves, not just horizontally, but horizontally, but vertically. We suddenly begin to declare Jesus is our champion. Our songs and our anthems begin to say, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond. Somebody's brainwaves are being impacted in this room. Somebody's rising up to become a giant killer. This place is full of giant killers. This atmosphere grows giant killers. We are not interested in cultivating a religious expression where we come together for motivational sermons that help you with self-improvement. I want you to understand you will never be who God's called you to be until you first learn to die. Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people live. And until you die, you will not live. It's very important that we understand that. As we devote ourselves to the greater purposes of God, something within us is awakened. And when something within us is awakened, something within those around us is awakened. That's why I love love the opportunity, the atmosphere God's entrusted to us as a church. There's truly an apostolic mantle that rests upon this place. God has given us influence in offering covering and, and oversight to many ministry expressions. It's just something God's devoted and released within our structure of this church family. And I'm so humbled by that and so appreciative of that. And I know that when I go out to speak in network church ministries that we're partnering with and, and overseeing, I know I'm carrying something out of here for them to embrace, but I just want to tell you something. When I come back, I know I'm carrying something back into this house that awakens us even further to the purposes of God. It's all a part of exchange and pollination and what God desires. I had the opportunity in our first weekend of ministry when we went into the the UK to minister with a guy. Uh, IHOP is the house of prayer in Kansas and this guy's name's Jay Thomas, and, um, and he wrote 
Shekinah glory. You know, a lot of people have sung that song in the church. And so when I met him, I was really, I appreciate that song years ago uh, when it was first coming out or however long it was ago. But just connecting with him, and then I find out he's like the overseer and the director of a school of worship now uh, with what they have going on there. And we spent the whole weekend and, and worship together. And Tracy and I were just talking about there's something of impartation that came as we were just there aligning ourselves with brainwaves and giftedness and connection. And I believe that I'm carrying something to deposit in this place, but I want to challenge you to know you are carrying something to deposit in this place. We are carrying something to deposit in this place. It's great to go be with individuals like that. It's even better to go be with Jesus. And you have the capacity to go be with Jesus and bring something that you have experienced in your... Are you, are you understanding what I'm saying? You can be literally transformed to transform your world as you spend time in the presence of God Almighty. It's wonderful. We, um, while we were traveling, I thought it was interesting. We did a lot of ministry in two weeks, sometimes more than one city in a day. And, and every time we would show up, they didn't ask us for a picture for the conferences or anything. And so it became a joke. Every time we showed up, like there's another ridiculous picture that somebody just found online. Like I'm bearded in one of them. My eyes are half closed. I look like I've been smoking crack. Pastor Lawrence coming, you know, crack, crack smoker. I don't know what they're thinking, but I mean, it looked awful. The pictures were awful. We were laughing. And then this one, they, they put on one um, that, that we have for you to see. And they, they said, you know, enthusiastic pastor from America, Lawrence. <laughs> I'm enthusiastic. So, so I, I, don't know, I posted that. And Dewey Bean, who's over here to my right, he took liberty to take this picture and mock me. And I just want to say publicly, you, are, my friend, are, are bad, very bad. And so <laughs> here's what he did. I want to just show you so that I can expose his sin to you. He took that picture and he made... <laughs> it's very... It is very unacceptable. <laughs> But it does make me want to wrestle the devil, right? I, I'm going to preach in a wrestling outfit just like those guys next week. <laughs> we might start a movement we don't want to start. <laughs> in uh, January, I just want you to mark it down and be aware of probably on the back of your notes where we, you know, what's happening at Destiny. You'll see this, but in January the 27th, it says Destiny Boot Camp. And I want to just point out, we want to get around giant killers. Don't you agree? When we are around giant killers, it makes us more mindful to be a giant killer. And we are the giant killers of our generation. And you'll see this. That's the last weekend of January. Steve Upple is going to be with us. Steve Upple uh, has spoken here before. He leads an incredible church in uh, in England, oversees a network of churches. And um, this is actually a picture of he's on Reinhard Bonnke's board, if you know who Reinhard Bonnke is. And this was his farewell tour in Africa. Um, there were three quarters of a million people that gathered together at Reinhard Bonnke's uh, farewell tour in Africa. Incredible. Steve began to tell me what it was like just being there with um, Reinhardt and and being up on the platform looking at all these people. And he said, you know, we come into a place like this and we worship God and we we want the air conditioning and the heat and the cool and all that, you know, to be right. And, And he said, you have no idea. And he began to describe to me when they were preparing for this event, that was again, three quarters of a million people came for this event. And he said that the, the land was like marsh. 
He said the day before the event, they had been bringing in sand to try and make it so that people could come stand on it, but it was all wet and soft. And the day before the event, the person that had been trying to get the ground right walked out across that land where you just saw three quarters of a million people and sunk to his knees in mud. So those people came and stood in those conditions, and he said they came and they devote like a lot of energy and resource just to get there. And he said he watched as a guy near the front He's sunk to his knees in his suit and tie, was there, you know, dressed up to honor God and honor this man who's been given decades of ministry in Africa, millions of souls saved as a result of this man's ministry. Uh, And and here's this guy worshiping, and, and Steve said the guy just laid down flat on his face in the mud. And and it really challenged me. I just thought, how hungry are we? How passionate are we? about more of God? How self-absorbed are we so that we don't even pursue the way really we should be passionately pursuing the things of God? And I'm saying all this to say, I want to ask you to make this a priority, this destiny boot camp idea. When you have somebody like a Steve Upple that's making impact internationally around the world, who's going to come spend three hours with us on a Saturday morning, I believe that there's going to be some brainwave alignment. I believe there's going to be some impartation that's going to happen. I believe God wants to take us to another level. We've got an incredible privilege to be in relationship with Steve and to have him coming, Pastor Steve Upple, uh, and his ministry there. And so please make it a point, if you would, to take a look at that. And think about this next statement. I want you to fill in the blank blank as, as you ponder what I'm talking about. Saul feared giants, so Saul's men feared giants. David killed giants, so David's men killed giants. You're called to be contagious. You're created to be contagious. When you get around people that have confidence and believe they'll be used mightily by God, guess what? You will have confidence and start to believe you will be mightily used by God. You have to stop disqualifying yourself. I just want to take a moment with this. And tell you to stop disqualifying yourself. Some people in this room need to hear me say, stop disqualifying yourself. When you disqualify yourself, you are not just letting the enemy talk you out of your destiny. When you disqualify yourself, you don't move forward in what God has called you to. And there are many people's lives that will never be impacted because you withdrew and didn't fulfill what God had asked you to fulfill. Do you understand what I'm saying? So in other words, when the enemy can get you to disqualify yourself, then he can have a big impact around you way beyond what you can understand. There's nothing more tragic than a sick church in a dying world, a church that's filled with insecurity and dysfunction, and they believe that their insecurity and their dysfunction holds them back from all that God wants to do. Do you understand God uses insecurity and dysfunction as trophies of grace? And the very thing you think the enemy can use to hold you back is the very thing God wants to raise up and say, look what I can do with whatever you've got going in. If I can do this with her, if I can do this with him, then I can do anything with you. Come on, celebrate that in today. And let's just snap some things off of some people's lives today in Jesus' mighty name. God wants to take us beyond where we've allowed ourselves to live in a state of limitation. Listen, Jesus did not come to call the equipped. Jesus came to equip the called. I don't know if you realize it, but I mean, it's just such a trick. I just don't know if I can do what God's asking me to do. Who, 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 me, Lord, I don't, I don't talk so good. 
Who am I talking about? Moses. Oh, oh, oh wait, God, you, you want to use me? I'm, I'm the youngest of my family, and my family is the smallest of our clan, and our clan is the smallest of our tribe, and our tribe is the smallest tribe of all the tribes of Israel. Like, I am the pipsqueak of all pipsqueaks of everybody that you've ever called into the planet. Who am I talking about? Gideon. You understand? Like, I could go on and on and on and on, because all throughout the Bible, you're not going to find one example. Listen carefully. I, I, want you, I say that because I want you to listen with your spiritual ears. Jesus said, you have ears here. I believe that I am anointed today to break some things off of some people's lives with just some statements like this that I'm to make. I want to go deep in the things of the Spirit. You're not going to find one person in Scripture who answers the call of God and says something like this. Finally, God, you saw what I carry. I've been waiting on you to see how awesome I am. Do you know that's never anywhere in Scripture? You know why? Because that would disqualify you from being used by God. It's humility that God raises up. It's pride that He resists. Welcome to the club of humility if you feel like God's asking you to do something that you're not qualified to do. Welcome to the group of people that God wants to raise up and do great and mighty things. I'm going to, this week, for those community groups that follow the messages, they, different groups do different things, but this week I've, I've broken down an explanation. I just want to give you an idea of this so that you hear it. If you're in groups, you'll discuss it if that's your mode in your group this week. But Jesus' disciples, um, they were not awesome by standards of their religious community. You, you, you track me. <laughs> like, the way this works in education with the Jewish children is they start their education process about the same time we would, five, six years old. By the age 10, think about this, by the age of 10, Jewish children, particularly in that day, Jewish boys, they would have memorized a lot of verses of Scripture. You know how many verses they would have memorized? How many there are in the first five books of the Bible? In the first of five years of their education process, they memorized Genesis through Deuteronomy. It's crazy to think about that. But that was just the basic starting point for education in the Jewish community. Once you have done that and you've gone through that process, then you are chosen to move on if you are a part of the best of the best in your capacity to memorize Scripture and align yourself with that which God is trying to reveal in the earth. If you are not the best of the best, then you're sent home to get back to business in the family trade, and you don't go on to study under any of the other rabbis or anything like that because you weren't the best of the best. Did you know Jesus didn't call his disciples from being tutored under other rabbis? Where did he find them? He found them in their family trade. What does that tell us? The disciples were not the best of the best. They were not selected and chosen by God. The people around them didn't look at them and say, I see something mighty in you. They said, well, thank you for studying, but it's time for you to go on home because we got some more qualified people than you. So do you recognize and understand what I'm saying? No matter what has gone on in your life, this is important that you understand Jesus comes after you and finds you in your state of not having been enough, not having done enough, not not having become enough, and he calls you out to higher ground. 
And again, this will be the discussion in those groups if you attend those, so I'm not going to belabor it, but it does give an entirely different disposition to the narrative we read about in John chapter 15, verse 16, when Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Maybe you don't see yourself as awesome, but don't let the way you see yourself be more important than the way God sees you. Your dysfunction and your mistakes. How many of you have dysfunction? How many of you put the funk in dysfunction? How many of you have embarrassing family members? If you're not raising your hand, you probably are the embarrassing family member. We have dysfunction, we have mistakes, but your dysfunction and your mistakes are not powerful enough to disqualify you from God's call on your life. Your dysfunction and your mistakes are not powerful enough to disqualify you from God's call on your life. So what if you've made mistakes? So what if you've made mistakes? So what if you're not where you want to be in your life? So what? Keep writing the story of your life that will inspire the readers of your story to know that if they find themselves in a place of feeling discouraged or disappointed, that God is not finished with them yet. Keep writing the story. Keep listening to what God wants to do and stop disqualifying yourself. You will inspire others to move beyond their disappointment and discover their destiny because they're watching you, and you are called to be contagious. <laughs> it is such a powerful word, isn't it? Something God wants to awaken within us. See, the plan is not merely to make you free. The plan is not merely to make you free. The plan is to make you a freedom fighter so that you are making many people free. I want to say that again. The plan is not merely to make you free. The plan is to make you a freedom fighter so that many people get free. Jesus came to awaken the call of God in the earth for heaven to be released here and now. Jesus came to awaken the call of God in the earth for heaven to be released here and now. That's why we're here. That's what we're doing. Our worship isn't just singing about God. Our worship is singing to God. And our worship isn't just singing to God. It's actually interacting with God. And when God awakens something within us, a sound comes out of us that's the expression of heaven that has come to the earth. And our transformed lives is the expression that declares the kingdom of Jesus has come and is here. Anybody not the same person you used to be? Can I see? Our transformed lives is the expression that the kingdom of Jesus has come and is here. <clears throat> Let me just ask this question, because we like to be real honest and real transparent in this church family. How many of you ever came to church, but you really didn't want to be there? Raise your hand if that's you. Come on. You heard about the, the, the boy that didn't want to go to church and... 
lady came in the room. She said, come on, honey, time to go to church. He said, I don't want to go to church. She said, come on, honey, it's time to go to church. I don't want to go to church. Covered up his head. I'm not going to the church. Those people are mean to me. She said, oh, sweetie, they're not that mean. You have to go. I don't want to go to church. Honey, you're the pastor. You have to go to church. <laughs> I don't know if you ever heard about that story or not, but. I just want to share with you something I've thought about while I've been in these, these past few weeks going where we've gone. I started thinking about when our daughter Lexi was born, our second daughter Lexi. In fact, we got a picture of her. Uh, we did, you know, family pictures along the progression, and this is a picture of her. You notice the tube coming out of her nose, and she had grown quite a bit. She was born prematurely, and that was after she had come out of the hospital after being you know, and, and all this different crazy stuff. She had eight lines coming out of her body uh, when we had her at home. And I mean, it was crazy. She was, you know, four and a half pounds. I could put her head here and her feet here when she was, we had to, we had to learn how to help her swallow food because she could not swallow before we could take her home from the hospital because she was so small. And, and I just have to tell you, while we were in the hospital, I would come from the hospital to the church. We were in the other building then. Come from the hospital to the church, preach my sermons, and go back to the hospital. And I would be there being dad all week long. And then it was almost like the week was winding down and I knew I've got to to come back. uh, So many times, I'm just telling you, I drove to church. Boy, my heart was broken back there. Rightfully so, right? But there were times I walked into the building and I wanted to be nowhere here. I, I, I didn't want to sing a song, and I didn't want to worship, and I didn't want to think about this, what God called us to do as a family, but I want to say this to you. Listen, <laughs> standing there, not wanting to be there, I began to hear your song. And when I heard your song, the sound of heaven began to come to life in my heart once again. And before the end of that time of worship, hands held high, heart open wide, scales broken off, anointed by God to go back into that hospital room and declare in my little baby's face, you will live and you will not die, but you will see through all that God has in store for your life. I want you to hear me as I say this today. Your worship sustained me. Your worship sustained me. Your worship sustained my faith. Your worship sustained our family and our situation. Your worship is significant. You are called to be contagious. You are created to be contagious. Let's not be silent in the way we worship our God. Let's understand we're creating an atmosphere that grows giant killers. Come on, stand to your feet with me. Let's give Jesus standing ovation today. Let's recognize just how powerful this God is, this risen King that put something within us. Thank you, Lord. It is easy to feel like you're not on top of your game all the time. That's why God has called us to assemble together in this place of worship, to be strengthened in Him. 
I'm just gonna give you the idea that we're gonna walk into as we start getting closer to Christmas. Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. Very important portion of scripture that nobody seems to pay attention to. And the government will be on his shoulders. I, well, I won't read on, but we'll, we'll, we'll pick up on this. Shoulders. Jesus is the head of the body of Christ. Where are the shoulders? On the body. Do you hear what I'm saying? Do you understand? You and I are the body of Christ, and we carry the government of God into the world to transform everything about the world around us. That's a pretty crazy assignment. Jesus has come and commissioned us to carry the government because we are the body. We are anointed by God. Our worship is significant. Our call is significant. We are called to be contagious. We are created to be contagious. We want to lift up the name of Jesus today. So, Father, we honor you. We recognize the treasure and the gift that we have of being the body of Christ, of being called by God and sent by God, rescued by Christ, and then not just removed from the earth, but to be released in the earth to accomplish the things, Lord, that you're desiring to accomplish in our generation. Help us to understand that. Help us to resolve and respond to that in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name.